Hello again, podcast listeners. This is week two of our Standing Firm series on the book of Philippians. And this is Warren, and I'm joined again by Jason. We are doing this remotely today with increased calls for social distancing. So we're taking advantage of all kinds of technology today and meeting over Zoom and trying to do our part to to not be in contact with as many people as possible, but we can still have this conversation, which is 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 a a good use of of technology. We sometimes we rail against modern technology, but it has come in helpful the last week or so. Yeah, and especially with the shelter in place order that went into effect in our county at midnight last night, uh, there's no reason to to get together if we can do it remotely. So hopefully this That's this right. goes well. Yeah, so we hope everybody is is doing their part and we're all doing what we can to hashtag flatten the curve. That's right. And uh, hopefully this this will uh, not be life for too much longer, but that we'll be able to maintain connectedness and, and sanity and faith and hope and all those things as we as we go through this. Uh, so what we're going to do today, uh, the. I will we'll, we'll send out some material about this week's lesson that will include some some prompts and and thoughts on Philippians 1 verses 20 through 30 to take us through the end of of chapter 1 and for our purposes in this podcast though we're going to read and kind of focus on Philippians 1 verses 20 to 26 and so intentionally, Jason and I haven't had a lot of conversation about these verses beforehand. We both knew what we were going to talk about, but I wanted us to sort of have a conversation about these these verses that would feel authentic and, and genuine. And so that's what we are going to do today. I would encourage you to read along with us and then spend some time thinking about these verses because I, I find them to be very, very fascinating. And, and they give us an, sort of an insight into Paul's psyche almost, I think. And, you know, I, I mentioned, if you read the material that I sent last week, I mentioned that Philippians is a, is a book unlike many of other Paul's letters. It doesn't have a lot of correcting of behavior or, or kind of teaching that needs to be correct, corrected. Paul never comes down harshly on anything that they're doing or, or thinking or saying or believing. And, and so it feels different just on the whole, but I think this paragraph, maybe more than any other in the book, feels different, at least to me. And so I'm going to read these verses. This is, uh, again, Philippians 1, verse 20 to 26. I'll read these and, and then make a couple of comments, and, and then Jason, see, uh, see what you are, are, are hearing and, and seeing in these verses. So picking up in, ver- in, in verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to be, I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain 
and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Uh, okay, so as I read through these verses, and again, Jason, I'll be curious just to get your initial take on them as well, but these almost sound like what we would expect to hear in a journal entry from Paul. Uh, it almost sounds like we're getting a peek into Paul's journal more so than, than a letter to a church, as, as it sounds to me like we, we can almost hear Paul genuinely wrestling with what he thinks would be the best outcome from his imprisonment whether it would be better for him to, to die in prison or be put to death there and, and in doing so to be fully united with Christ, or whether it would be better for him to get his freedom and be released and to continue living. And as he says there, I'm, I'm torn between the two. And we can, we can almost hear, I think, him wrestling with his, his mortality and, and what would kind of be best for him going forward. And and I think that brings about some interesting thoughts and, and questions. And so I'm curious, how do, how do you read that? And, and do you see any of that as we're kind of looking at these words? You know, I never really thought about it as being reflective of, of a journal like, uh, like writing, but I definitely can see that now that you mention it. Um, he's, he's clearly uh, wrestling with this idea of kind of what he may say selfishly, want for himself i want to be with christ um that 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 is that is the the be all and the end all of my life but then at the same time i have other people you know christ is calling me to serve others and in order for me to serve others i have to be around in order to do that i have to 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 be present um and so i can see how that might be um you know, a difficult, uh, you know, question for him to wrestle with. You know, what struck me when you read this is in verse 20, it says, I will in no way be ashamed. I eagerly expect and hope that I will no, in no way be ashamed. And that strikes me because I'm, I'm, what comes to, the question that comes to my mind is why would he be ashamed? What does it mean to be ashamed? And I'm wondering Warren, what do you, what do you, how do you, how do you interpret that word ashamed? Now I don't have, you know, the Greek in front of me uh, to know exactly what word is used and how that's translated, and 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 maybe I don't know exactly what the term ashamed means in Paul's context as opposed to just my own connotations for that word. But when I hear ashamed, I think of. I've done something wrong or I'm bad in some way and uh and and I and I feel bad about that or I am um and I, I know later on he talks about worthiness so maybe that plays into it a little bit um but what do you make of that phrase you know I eagerly expect and hope that I will no in no way be ashamed which implies that at this point he is ashamed yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, and I don't know, because when, when you read it, you know, I hadn't really thought too much about that part of it, but he says, I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage hmm. so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So it's and, kind of putting forth this, uh, you know, dichotomy between shame and courage. Yeah, like I wonder if it's, 
you know, Paul is not in, in prison for murder or theft right. or, you know, a, a typical bad thing that we would think you would you would end up in, in jail or prison for. He's he's in prison because of his bold actions for the sake of the gospel. Right. And I think you could interpret those as an attempt to shame Paul or discourage Paul or dishonor Paul mm-hmm. because of, of what he is doing. Mm-hmm. So I think you could read those as saying, I'm I'm not going to allow this situation Mm-hmm. to bring about the shame that it is designed to. And I'm going to instead continue encourage confident that, that whatever it is that, that I am going through, um, that, that if I do so with courage, it's going to bring glory and, and exaltation to Christ. Um, which kind of reminds me, even as you were saying that, you know, um, elsewhere where, where scripture talks about Christ, um, where he basically, I can't think of the exact wording at this point, but, you know, he looks past the shame, looks beyond the shame of the cross for the joy set before him. Right. And so almost as if the, the powers that be at this point are attempting to bring shame upon Christians through some of these methods that that Paul and Jesus are just turning on their heads and using as a source of, of courage and hope and, and encouragement for others. Which, you know, now that I think about it, it makes sense that that the Roman authorities would hold that position, right? Because, you know, they, they hold up the state and, and they hold up Caesar as being the, the ultimate authority. And, and if you hold something else or someone else up as being the ultimate authority, then that's disrespectful. And that is, um, that is dishonorable in their mind, you know, uh, and, and so I, I see that as as the the government doing, you know, taking a, a pretty genuine and probably honest position of, well, yeah, you should be ashamed um, because you're not doing your job, especially with Paul, who's a Roman citizen. You know, not all Jewish people were Roman citizens, but Paul it was. Uh, right. So. So I could see this as being a way of the Romans saying, you should be ashamed. Um, and because you're not doing your duty as a Roman citizen. And here Paul is saying, I, you know, I expect and hope that I will be, that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalt, exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So whether I you know, continue to live in imprisonment or if I die here, that Christ will live in me regardless, regardless of, of which outcome it has. Um, and so then he kind of goes into what we kind of initially started talking about, which was this One more point there that, that I think kind of goes with that and, and goes with what you're going to, where we're going to head next. But, but, but I think you see this idea that that perhaps there's this thought that if we can just lock up all these people who are causing trouble or kill all the people who are causing trouble, mm-hmm. we'll snuff them out. Yeah. And I, it, I think it speaks to that Paul has this idea that, that if, if the gospel works in the way that Paul thinks it's going to, even killing him will, will further serve the purpose, which is a direct contradiction to, I think, how, as you said, the authorities would think about that. Right that if we can just kill these opinion leaders, we'll get rid of this. And, and it's almost as if Paul's saying, no, 
whatever happens, the gospel is going to be served and and Christ is going to be exalted either way. Well, you know, it, it, and yeah, that's an excellent point. And I can't help but think about, you know, our current situation of, you know, being in quarantine and, and shelter in place because a lot of things have been taken away from us. And it might be really easy to think, and most of us, thankfully, you know, it's not that our life has been taken away from us, but for some of us, our livelihood has been taken away. For for a lot of us, just our, well, for everybody, I think our normal routine has been taken away. Um, and it, it's very easy to say, well, you know, what good could come of this? I mean, we weren't able to gather, you know, in person on Sunday morning. We weren't able to, um, you know, go to church as it were. But right. I think I could, I, I think an argument is definitely made that Christ was still glorified on Sunday. You know, that, that right. our church and, and probably and, and probably millions of other churches around the world, despite not being able to meet in the way that we typically would, despite having things taken away from us, that Christ was still glorified. And that it's the things that we right. think, a lot of times the things that we think we have to hold on to in order to be successful or in order for our life to have meaning or in order for, you know, God's message to grow, those are not limitations and we can take those away and God's message can still grow and Christ can still live through us just in a different way. And I, I, I kind of see that that's what Paul is saying here and probably something we should keep in mind for our current situation now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so that leads to kind of the next part that, that you started to reference there, where where he kind of gets into again some of this that I that I kind of read as as wrestling with with what's going to be best for him, mm-hmm. and he kind of introduces that thought there in verse twenty one where he says, "For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain." And I really feel like that's one of those verses that it has we especially if you have grown up around church. It's one of those verses that, you know, I've seen plastered on so many shirts and coffee mugs and memes and bumper stickers <laughs> that that I feel like it almost kind of loses its punch and its meaning that, that Paul wants it to have. Absolutely. Yeah. That that if we just slow down and think about what Paul is saying, that death for him is gain. Mm-hmm. And and man, if you just want a short scripture to meditate on for a week just just go with that verse yeah (laughs) um that to live is christ and to die is gain because i i i think by and large we do not have that approach to life just as as people and especially as as modern kind of thinkers and and american thinkers that that death is very much seen as something to avoid and to put off and to to resist at any and all costs. Well, and, and 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 even like the our our medical model and our um, you know, the the philosophy that underlies all medicine in the modern world has mostly to do with prolonging life, um, easing suffering. Right. Yes. But prolonging life is is such a major goal. And some of that is is changing a little bit, but that's been, you know, kind of the main focus. And and what what Paul is saying here is, you know, not pursuing death per se, 
but but dying to oneself, dying in in a very physical, literal sense, to be with Christ is the ultimate goal of a Christian. Yeah, and you know, I would I would sort of be be curious to know how a non Christian would hear this paragraph, mm-hmm. because I think if you're if you're approaching Paul, kind of, you could twist Paul's words here to sound sort of sadistic almost. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, I, but like you said, I think it's it, instead from a Christian perspective, especially it's this ultimate example of dying to oneself, being, being okay with whatever happens to you in this life, um, to the extent that, that, Hey, even if I die, that's going to be gain for me. Cause I'm going to be fully united with Christ. Yeah. But, but his rationale sort of for, um, for staying alive basically is, for the benefit of other people it is it is for you know he he basically says i'm i'm convinced that i'm going to remain in the body uh because it's it's necessary for you it's because of the work that i still have to do it's because of the joy that i think i can bring to other people that i'm going to stay yeah and so paul you know i think again a lot of times if we're just honest with ourselves our rationale for wanting to to maintain our lives is very sort of selfish. There are things that I still want to do. There are things that I still want to see. I don't want my life to be cut short. Um, and but Paul is saying, no. For me personally, it'd be better that if if they just went ahead and killed me. Yeah. <laughs> no more shipwrecks. No more beatings. <laughs> no more traveling long distances with you know with crude modes of transportation. Um, but, but, but I want to remain because of, of what it can mean for you and for others. And I think that's, that's, that's such an important mindset to keep in mind for us as Christians. I think. Yeah. You know, I also want to just point out that, uh, it's very easy to read that and, and read it at a distance, kind of at arm's length, because you can read that and say, well, sure, it's better to be a martyr for the faith than, to stay alive. I th- and I think I think it's pretty easy for a lot of people to interpret it as, well, if it's a choice between staying alive and having to reject your faith, which is essentially what the Roman government was was wanting Paul to do, or die still having the faith, then sure. Yeah, that's it's better to die. But I, as a 21st century Christian living in the United States, I don't need to make that choice. You know, I'm not being persecuted to that degree, if at all. Um, and so I, I actually am not, I don't expect to ever be in the position where I have to choose my faith or my life. And so I, I can read that at a distance if I assume that what it means is martyrdom. But I think what Paul means is, is deeper than that. And I don't think Paul is just talking about martyrdom. That may be part of his conversation, but I think he's also talking about how my my life as it currently exists on this earth is not for my benefit. It is for the benefit of Christ and for the benefit of bringing others to Christ and serving uh, the people that Christ want me to serve. And I think that actually is a much more radical stance that when you see it on the bumper stickers and on the memes, we're not, we, we aren't as, is, is more applicable, I guess you could say to our current culture and our current life situation, but is a lot more 
difficult to implement, difficult not in a practical sense, but just in a selflessness sense, in an ego sense, it's harder for us to implement that, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I think, you know, just in our, again, in our kind of current, very immediate context, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think the way you, you read this and play this out is interesting, because again, I think you could sort of take this to say, well, so does this mean that we shouldn't be kind of holed up in our homes, living in fear, you know, for our 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 earthly, you know, lives? Right. Um, is is this an example of kind of living in fear? And and I think kind of to go back to what we talked about in the podcast last week, um, I I think our our isolation, our, or excuse me, our social distancing, hopefully not too much isolation, but our our being separated from each other and and kind of putting life on pause, is a is an act of love and selflessness in that we are we are looking out for vulnerable communities and and populations and and we're trying and to, to give our healthcare workers and our doctors and nurses and service industries and all that stuff uh, a chance so that this doesn't spread too widely and, and quickly and just overwhelm those parts of our um of our society right and and i recognize that 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 comes at a greater cost and a greater sacrifice for some than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there are some of us who can do our jobs remotely. There are some of us who can, you know, I'm in my office today because I'm the only one here on Tuesdays. So yeah. um, and 45 seconds from my house. And so it's, it's possible for me to still come and do that. But I understand some have already lost their jobs. Some, you know, even in our own our own church family, own their own small businesses, and 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 have a lot of worries about that. And so, that this comes at great sacrifice. I recognize for for some of our people, but but I think that aspect of it is very selfless in a lot of ways. To me, where we see the kind of selfish, um, self preservation fears take effect is as you kind of talked about last week with the. Uh, the kind of the urge to hoard resources or to feel like I've got to compile everything that I can at this point so that I can preserve my own life in this moment of, of fear. Mm-hmm. And when that type of panic sets in, I think that's when we flip to a different perspective than the one Paul shows here. Yeah. And so I, I think this perspective that Paul has of, of seeing value in life and, and respecting life but from a standpoint of what I can add for the good of others and what can I add to the work of the kingdom is, is a very different motivation for, for how we go about living our lives than what can I do to simply do what I can to, to self-preserve and to make safety and idle and, and all of those types of things that we sometimes fall into a trap of doing. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, is that a good place to end it, do you think? I think probably so. It's probably as good a place as any. Okay. If you've got thoughts or comments as you're listening to this, we'd love to hear them. You can add them in the comments on the uh, the lesson page that we'll send out on the website. You can send them to one of us or both of us in a text or email. We'd love to kind of engage some of this more broadly if you're interested in doing so. Um, yeah, I don't know. So Jason, I don't know if that's been if we've talked about that as much, but the, if you go to the website. Uh, we've opened up the comments on the, the the blog where you can get the downloaded material. The comments there are open, and people feel free to share your thoughts and and any opinions you have about this uh, about these topics. 
Yeah, we'd love for that to be a place of, of connection. Uh, I think that worked. I think that was a really cool and to me in some ways unexpected blessing of Sunday's experience yeah. was the chat feature. Absolutely. And and seeing everyone who was there and who was um, who was encouraged by that and who was encouraging each other through their own additions to the to the chat. And so yeah, this this can be a similar place where we're not necessarily doing it in real time, but but just as another way to to maintain some connection. So yeah, add your comments there. Um, that that would be great. Also remember, tonight Jason's going to be hosting uh, an online singing forum uh, for us, and so that'll be another way to to connect. And we hope you'll you'll take advantage of that, especially for those who uh, who enjoy singing and, and are blessed by by that. Yeah, that'll be a a really interesting. Um experience having a bunch of people on one zoom conference meeting and singing on it i i, I i'm fascinated to yeah, see I'm how that's gonna to go yeah, yeah i'm just curious to just see how it'll look yeah <laughs> or sound which by the way yeah. you can also call in a landline uh i think warren's gonna distribute some information about how to connect and and if you don't if you want to just f- phone call in you can as well yeah that's good all right, so Jason, if you'll close us in prayer, we'll, we'll wrap this up today. Heavenly Father, we are um, humbled at a time like this when we are reminded how uh, powerless we are um, in this world. God, I ask that, uh, that you give us the, the expectation and the hope to in no way be ashamed, that we will have sufficient courage so that now is always... Christ is exalted in our body, uh, whether by life or by death, by routine or uh, chaos. Um, Lord, I I ask and pray um, that we can use this time of uncertainty to uh, renew our spirit, uh, renew a right spirit in us for you, that you will um, put in us uh, the the, the courage and the wisdom and the, uh, uh, the ability to, to keep ministering to others, um, you know, be it, getting creative perhaps, but, but still being a blessing and, and blessing others with, with your presence through us. Um, God, be with us. Be with those who are isolated. Um, help us to learn who they are so we can connect and, and lift their spirits. Um, Help those who are struggling uh, financially, who are worried about their business or worried about, um, you know, getting the right food or medicine or health care, um, help ease their suffering and, uh, and provide for their needs. Uh, we thank you for the gifts that you've given us and the abilities that we have to, uh, to do things like this, to connect even in times of, of chaos and, and uncertainty. And uh, bless us now and always. In your son's name we pray. Amen.